Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jessica. I am Mikey. And we are back. Sorry it's late, but also not that sorry because it's Thanksgiving week and we're doing this for free. So, <laughs> apologies. Yeah, so you're welcome. <laughs> uh, so, we are here with season two, episode 20. That puts us, what, two from the end? Yeah, there's, there's one more episode and then the finale. The finale. Um, the, what was the finale and obviously we have a a, a subsequent movie sure. and third season that came out 26 years later right. but it is a third season nonetheless and we will certainly jump into those in the future so mm-hmm. okay uh so this aired april 18th 1991 it's called the path to the black lodge written by harley payton robert engels directed by stephen gyllenhaal is this i don't really know him I can only assume there's not a lot of Halls in the industry. I mean, I have to think in like... Given that I know two and they are related, <laughs> I'm going to assume that this is Father Hall, the priest. I mean, maybe no. in like Sweden or whatever, Hall's like Smith, so... Or, uh-huh. it, now hear me out, okay. it's not. <laughs> Stephen Hall, American film director... He's the father of Jake Gyllenhaal and Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Can you believe it? How about that? It's weird because you don't see a lot of nepotism in Hollywood. No, it is strange. Especially not in this show, Mm -hmm. i.e. Warren Frost and Mm -hmm. the Deschanel's Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And Leo and family. Yeah, you don't see that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Cleveland. Jessica. Yeah. You do see it a lot. There's another Gyllenhaal. There's a Luke Gyllenhaal. Luke Gyllenhaal is not linked to Wikipedia, guy. though. Do you so, think? Do you think he hangs out with Daniel Baldwin a lot? <laughs> um, I bet he's just like an outstandingly attract- attractive guy who just has a really regular fucking life. So I bet he's doing real good. Yeah. Yep, good yep. job, Luke Gyllenhaal. We're rooting for you. All right. So do you, do you think he didn't make it? No, I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> When you start off like that, I took a sip thinking you were going to have a little monologue. And then yeah, you just I gave didn't up know. On it. Well, because I didn't know where I was going. I was hoping something would come. Guys, we've had a weird week. Yeah. Um, so, the log lady intro. Um, she is holding her log like she's like covering its eyes. Oh, is that? I got it. Like, because it's her. Left arm is still cradling it the way uh-huh. it normally does, like a baby. Yeah. And then the other one, it usually just like rests on top, like it's like of like where its chest would be. Yeah, like of? it's almost like like yeah, swaddling a baby or something, or like or Maybe petting an animal. Some strong pantomime work. This one felt like she was. Like, I got the vibe that she was choking it. Well, that's darker. Well, but either way, like covering its eyes or cho- yeah. like it's whatever she's doing, she's. It must be on purpose. Obviously, holding it in a strange way. Yeah. So she says, quote, there are clues everywhere, all around us. And, so sorry, cool. and then that also, like, I'm reading into the way she's holding her log because her entire monologue in the scene is about clues being everywhere. Yeah. So I'm, like, over, like overanalyzing sure. this particular bit. There are clues everywhere, all around us, but the puzzle maker is clever. The clues, although surrounding us, are somehow mistaken for something else. And the something else, the wrong interpretation of the clues, we call our world. Our world is a magical smokescreen. How should we interpret the happy song of the meadowlark or the robust flavor of a wild strawberry? 
Why did that feel so fucking sinister when she ended up talking about metal arcs and strawberries? <laughs> I, I don't know. But it just felt threatening, like personally threatening to me. Well, it, because she was choking her log at the same time. Also, that sounds like some like masturbation metaphor. <laughs> no? Oh, choking her log? Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the part about the metal arc. And I, <laughs> no, was confused I was like, oh, about... I, yeah, no, choking a log. I... Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so we start with um, the removal of Rusty Tomaski's <laughs> so body. So we're just not going to acknowledge anything about what she said. I mean, I don't really I mean, have much. What the much, fuck yeah, am I going to say? Yeah. Um, it's well, it's just confusing. Love you, David Lynch. You get a lot of actual like new mystery kind of set up in this Mm -hmm. like this is where you really start diving into like this surreal like supernatural world and lodge entities and stuff like that so it's cool to see i don't know them address that a little bit uh so the lawmen remove rusty tomaski's body from the gazebo i liked this reveal was very creepy because you just had a close-up on his face which was very like <laughs> like he was had his eyes like kind of pointing up and just sort of like blah well, that's, on his face. Yeah, and that's how the other one the last episode ended. I know, yeah, but okay. the, it started with that close up and yeah. then he starts rocking like the oh, oh, piece oh, yeah, starts yeah. rocking, which is unsettling until you realize they're rocking it to and we it. talked about this. It looks like it took eight minutes yeah, to remove it's, that. It's a, it, it, it it's hard to tell exactly, but it's between six and eight, you know, people. Uh, a couple of them are in like spacesuits for reasons that are unclear. Yeah, like, like, like it wasn't like, but it was like silk. Like they look like the spacesuits from like the right stuff, like the old Mercury Seven. Like Mikey just saw the right stuff, so that's where his also references uh, are Mary Jo Deschanel is in that Eileen oh. Hayward. So, um, but it's like like the silver, like shiny metallic spacesuits, like a spacesuit that they might have worn in like a Twilight Zone episode. Well, like or the Mercury Seven. Ash. Oh sure, the Mercury Seven thing i don't know anything mikey really likes space movies but i find them very stressful i mean the mercury seven is the original astronauts that like like did they wear is it like what um like those those blankets that they give to people who are in shock those a little space bit space blankets a little, yeah okay. yeah i mean that's why they're called space blankets it's that are they actually material. called that? i thought i just couldn't think yeah. of what they were called um anyway two or three of the guys are wearing that for mm-hmm. reasons that are inexplicable but yeah so but the point being six or eight people to take this thing off the gazebo but like somehow Windermere got it all up there by himself with his ego. also he we <laughs> saw him kill the man mm-hmm. inside the thing already mm-hmm. so it isn't like oh well he was able to lug the thing up there and then put the body in like he somehow just put it all up there in the middle of the night. Nobody fucking noticed. Yeah, they were so busy. Look at, everybody's looking at Twin Peaks, Miss Twin Peaks posters. Oh, that's, that's all true. anybody's doing that's in this true. show. Um, <laughs> uh, so Agent Cooper and Sheriff Truman question a friend of Rusty's who is played by, what was his name? Willie Garson. Willie Garson, who I know mostly from Sex and the City because I'm a basic bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, or Fever Pitch. He's in Fever Pitch. Was he in Fever Pitch? Yeah, he's one of the friends. That's the Jimmy Fallon one? Yeah. He's one of the friends that, like, they have to, like, audition for his, like, season tickets for certain games and oh, stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was a baby in this. Mm-hmm. He was so young. Yeah. And I um, love, during this whole thing, like, he's telling this sad story about his friend who died. 
and of course the callback to Andy like not being able to keep it together and starts crying again I love that and Andy's standing directly yeah. behind it's just such a great talking. like it's that is his character mm-hmm. and then he gets wrapped up in the cute. emotion yeah. and he's come on Andy yeah. like like every time get, get it together man yeah. like it's just great um, he tells them um, the friend Willie Garson Garson I don't know if he has a name in this probably it doesn't have one here okay um, guy in hat probably uh, <laughs> he tells him that he was passing by Twin Peaks with his band and Rusty went with a man who offered him beer good girl but also like we said before like it isn't hard to get beer in Twin Peaks as we've seen <laughs> sure but I guess if these people are out of town, they yeah, don't know. They're from out of town, man. They don't know. They're really excited to go to California. He was going to move to California, <laughs> but he didn't like <laughs> well, his parents. Adorable. Like it's a it's a yeah. sweet thing, but also like, especially for such a like dumb character, like mm-hmm. not like dumb like pointless, although he relatively was. Yeah. Dumb like dumb. <laughs> Where yeah. are we going? <laughs> like, yeah. Like <laughs> I thought we were going to get some beer, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, Cooper then takes us to mean that Wyndham Earl is playing off the board. Mm-hmm. So he's now saying, like, I don't know how to predict what happens now. Right. Um, Which is, again, like a, a good way of the writers telling you we're... Chess is done. The, we're getting rid of, like, all the... Like, we've set up several storylines. Like, okay, he's got the... the Queens, the cards of the Queens thing. He's got Leo in possession. Uh, he's jealous about. He's getting after Cooper for Caroline, and there's the wedding dress that he what like uh, sends him all the clues of oh, yeah. of that stuff. He's he's killed one person because he has the same last name as Caroline's maiden name, mm-hmm. and then they're playing chess, which. Apparently they don't need Pete for anymore because he hasn't been involved. Like, and then like they didn't know where they were, what they were setting up Wyndham Earl to do. They built this idea of who Wyndham Earl is mm-hmm. in relation to Cooper, mm-hmm. but didn't really under- set up what they were going to have him doing mm-hmm. as the bad guy until now. When they're like, okay, we have a night. We he's looking for the Black Lodge. He's trying to right. got it. This is it. And they basically come out and tell you, forget about all that other shit. He's right. put, like. None of none of this other shit matters. Mm-hmm. Um, just pay attention to this new Black Lodge sure. storyline. Sure. Um. So they the men get back to the sheriff's station in the morning, um, where Lucy tells Andy that she'll be choosing the father of her child the next day. I love the the intro yeah. though when they all walk in. Hey, Lucy. Hey, Lucy. They do the little tap on the desk. And, like, Andy looks like he wants to do that, too. But then he's carrying boxes of donuts. Um, I don't... So, was she getting a test back in 24 hours? Is that why she said 24 hours from now I'm picking this thing? I I don't know. No, I think it... I don't think it's based on... I think it's just setting an arbitrary deadline for herself. Like, this is... Instead of waiting on who's this and who whatever and you guys can, I'm just going to flat out decide mm-hmm. and you and I'm giving it you know it's one day right in in one a day from now I'm going to decide once and for all mm-hmm. who is the father of this child right whether it's biological or not right um 
Andy then gives her some pointers. Oh, she decides also she is going to join the Miss Twin Peaks concert. Concert? Contest? Why do I keep yeah. doing that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, contest. Um, and so he gives her some pointers for speech, for her speech. Um, about yeah. environment, I think. Yeah, she has, and he says about people need to stop throwing their beer bottles in Pearl Lake. Oh, and she writes it down, like, yeah. verbatim. And like, then, oh. like, and styrofoam doesn't die for as long as we live. Mm. And then she's mind blown mm-hmm. by it. It doesn't? Um, so back in the hotel, uh, Jack is looking for Audrey as he's getting ready to leave. Um, beautiful brown on brown. Mm-hmm. Really like, nice and simple. Like, not corduroy, but like really really thick flannel or something like it looks yeah. almost velour maybe like <laughs> yeah. it looks very soft yeah in a weird way well when you're flying you want to be comfortable oh yeah know? sure 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 but um, yeah it's a really bizarre brown on brown mm-hmm. outfit with this big black belt and then later the leather jacket on top yeah, of it just a lot going which is on. significantly shorter than his waistline mm-hmm. correct um gotta show off that sweet sweet belt i guess <laughs> Uh, in Ben's office, we see. Oh, maybe we should have turned off the uh, dishwasher. Yeah, you might hear recording. some grumblings, and then in a few minutes, you'll hear. That means the dishes are done. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of dishes the last two days. Um, anyway, Doc. Uh, so Doc Hayward is in Ben's office. Ben is sitting shirtless. As a lot of people, just getting random like medical checkups, just wherever they happen to be. A lot of like on-call doctors. That's what I'm wondering. Is it, like, is that a small-town thing where they just, it's easier? It's like a very old-fashioned thing. Yeah, but small towns are old-fashioned. But I mean old-fashioned, like, yeah. Early 20th century old-fashioned, not like the 70s. Two weeks ago, he was in the middle of the Civil War. That's a good point. (laughs) They're trying to ease him back (laughs) into the 20th century. Um, So, I... Uncl- Why is he giving him an, ex- an examination? Just, just check up. <sighs> yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's something like I. It seems like just I guess a reason to get these two together to discuss sure. the whole Eileen situation. Yeah, which this was the first time because it took me a second to put it together. So what's happening is Donna thinks that her father is not Doc Hayward, who has been her father, but is her biological father is Ben right. Horn. Uh, I didn't realize, and I don't know if that's me missing it as an audience member, I didn't realize Doc Hayward also knows that. You. This is where you find... Okay, like, so it's you, not, He's acting strangely in the last couple episodes about like... Mean, Doc Hayward uh-huh. um, about like oh it's nothing uh, probably just has something to do with the charity charity yes, event yeah. or oh it's it's so he's covering like, their ass. he's just trying to dismiss it and it yeah, that could be mm-hmm. nothing or it could be strange behavior but this is the first confirmation you get of like I'm protecting the lie right and then that's when you realize that like the three of them Eileen Doc Hayward and and Ben Horner in on this secret right um and you still don't technically get confirmation that the secret is ben horn is the father okay but there's no father listed on her birth certificate so it seems like it could also be kind of in tangent with the lucy storyline 
that she doesn't of know. she doesn't know but i've chosen this one mm-hmm. and we're just never going to do the dna to figure it out it we don't matter. really know that yet mm-hmm. um but it's possible that either of them are the thing but they all know like what doc hayward knows ben horn and eileen mm-hmm. i mean, were sleeping together right roughly 18 19 years ago or whatever um so Doc Hayward tells Ben to stay away from Eileen, but Ben insists on doing what he believes to be the right thing. Um, and then the doctor leaves when Jack comes in. Jack says that he will be leaving Twin Peaks because his partner has been murdered. Yeah. Which seems like a really... Considering this is Jack's departure from the series, Yes. Yes. It seems to me that this is a very strange choice of reasons to get him out of town because it's not even because I would think that the smart thing to like if we we're going to do a death say like oh my father died so I need to take over his business and so I cannot and something like this was murder. my par- my partner was murdered in my Brazil my partner who was never mentioned yeah and I have to take over his duties like it's it's a bizarre choice to have made him murdered. Right. It's unless they were trying to set up a potential comeback third season. Sure. You know, oh, this is a this is a an eggshell like this is a um you know a little loose end that we could potentially pick up sure. later and run with it. Like, sure. it's it's bizarre. Yeah. It's it's an odd choice. Yeah, and it's and it's so like. He, my friend was murdered. He was more than my friend. He was my partner. Yeah. Like, it's so... It was what? very it dramatic. Was, yeah, it was just jarring because they didn't... There's no setup for it. Like, I get that they needed him to leave quickly. But, yeah, there are other ways you could have yeah. gotten him out of there I quickly. Mean, or just, like, he had a new job he had to get to by a certain time. Like, it doesn't need to be that dramatic of a reason to leave like you've got duties you've got priorities you've got like my job is to bail out businesses and all this or whatever his job like he has his next gig lined up and he has to be there at a certain time it's his job right like i mean i get that's reason enough to have a suddenly he has to go because that kind of explains why sure you know why audrey makes a decision she does to chase him to the airport um but like I think I would have thought it was more interesting if it was just like, I just have to go. And he wouldn't tell anybody why. Like, that's more interesting yeah. than... Uh, there's been a murder. That we like, never hear yeah. about yeah, in Savannah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, okay. So Donna um, is in her attic. She finds a birth certificate and finds Which that... Which is a, a cool scene mm-hmm. in the with the fan going mm-hmm. and the light coming through it. I, it's... Overly dramatic to a point, but it's good. Sure. I liked it. Um, so she says no. She sees that no father is listed, and then her mother calls her down because Deputy Hawk is on the phone for and her. We see this sweet Ben Horn seventies photos. Oh yeah, which like they go through a series. Now, are we supposed to understand that they were a throuple, or was he just close to the family? Exactly. I think all of that is supposed to be in play. I think in head canon, I'm going to say they're a, a throuple. I it was the 70s. Yeah, exactly. That's ex- that's exactly what I think it is. Yeah. Is it? It's there was weird shit going on between mm-hmm. the three of them, right. and then 
Then a baby was introduced, mm-hmm. and we have to settle down. Right. And, yeah. Um, also, what I didn't look for, and maybe I didn't, didn't notice, was... Did you happen to notice if Eileen was in a wheelchair for all those scenes? She was not in a wheelchair for all those scenes. Interesting. So, yeah, we never find out what happens, but I, there was one I noticed that she was standing. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I was curious about that. I should have taken note to look, but yeah, that's an interesting take of like, has she been in this wheelchair her mm-hmm. whole life? Was or there an accident? Yeah. Interesting. Um, Audrey returns to the hotel. Hawk stops her to take a meeting ordered by Agent Cooper. Uh, ben and Jack further discuss uh, Jack's departure and the effects it might have on the Stop Ghostwood campaign. Uh, and Jack asks Ben to give Audrey a letter. Okay. Major Briggs assigns Cappy some work. What? Who? He's one of the bookhouse boys. The oh. guy who looks like a little mini Sheriff Truman with the poofy curly hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like the one, like. There's him and I just forgot his name. The the other curly haired blonde kid that you see driving the motorcycle a lot early on. Oh, Another yeah, one yeah. of the bookhouse boys that are just like it's just I think showcasing that like the bookhouse boys isn't just these four people. Right. Like right. there's kind of an ongoing and I think it's yeah. Um so Major Briggs assigns Cappy some work and meets with Dale and Harry to discuss or er- Hale and Harry meets with Cooper and Harry to discuss Earl's activities with Project Blue Book, mm-hmm. telling them that he became obsessive and violent and was dropped from the project. So we've learned that not only, which this, I don't know if this is sloppy writing or whatever, but now we know that Wyndham Earl not only was Dale Cooper's partner, but well, was they, also a member of they, Project they, they Did we know that, that already? Okay. They, they talk about his involvement with Project Blue Book the last time they brought in Did they? Okay, Briggs and Briggs, so Briggs knew who he was. Okay. Because uh, they work together. They didn't go into the specifics of it, but he's like, oh, yeah, I remember him being around. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't, like, they clearly didn't work together closely, but he knew him. Right. Um, and then I loved it. Like, I wish, because I, I feel like it took me several times viewing it before I realized how much dense information is in that video clip. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he talks so f- quickly with mm-hmm. this, like, elevated scientific language uh-huh. that like you almost miss what he's saying mm-hmm. but he's telling you like all he's laying out all of like the evil spirits mm-hmm. mythology with the whole idea of dugpas and that's part of the thing too is that like he, they're called they're what yeah. they're they're do, 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 do what Doug, dugpa <laughs> and he keeps talking about dugpas as being this like evil entities and they've manifested this thing that they call the black lodge and it's mm-hmm. this place that they can access through their use of uh, evil and negativity and all this like it's a really really dense mm-hmm. moment that's like the sound quality is not as good because you're watching and yeah. like all of this stuff it's really interesting that like you get so much great information in the grand mythology of Twin Peaks in this sequence mm-hmm. and it's easy to just miss all of it sure um, Cooper figures out that um, oh, I'm sorry. He shows some footage of Earl speaking about Doug, Dugpas and a place called the Black Lodge. Cooper figures out that Earl's true motivation for coming to Twin Peaks is to find the Black Lodge and that the Owl Cave petroglyph has some sort of connection. Uh, Earl is listening into the conversation and says he knows that he knows more than the Bukas boys do mm-hmm. and he plans to go with Leo Johnson to ambush Major Briggs. There's, there's also a great... I love the capper on that of... 
major major breaks. Maybe I'll go for a walk. I'm gonna go for a walk in the woods. And I absolutely love Harry's line of he just looks at him and goes, "Don't forget the breadcrumbs," which is just like like. Last time you went fucking go into the mm-hmm. woods, you disappeared for a significant amount of time. Yeah. Just do something to make sure we can fucking find you again when you yeah. go fucking missing. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a great, like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Just make sure we can find you again. Mm-hmm. Don't forget the breadcrumbs. Yeah. I, I, it's just a great line, I think. I do think it's adorable when they do show Major Briggs walking in the woods. He's still in full military oh, yeah. blues. Like, he, mm-hmm. he doesn't dress it's, down for his hikes. It's not even like, like, they're still like... If you wear your military uniform or your, you know, attire everywhere, that's fine. But that's like proper attire. Yeah. That's for that's like, like funerals, funerals and shit like that. Yeah. Like that's what you're you're supposed to wear when you dress up. Right. But he just wears that all the, all the time. It's great. So we cut to the diner. A woman is eating her pie, and all of a sudden she notices her hand is shaking. Yeah. Um, and is, is that the first incident of we that see? We that- see? Yeah, and okay. we see it three times in this episode, mm-hmm. and then never again. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, I. It's a. It's a. It's another. Th- like, like in this episode, they're not only steering us towards an ending uh-huh. with stuff. They're telling you to forget about certain things that happened in the several previous episodes. Yeah, but they're also setting up, like potentially Jack's friend being partner partner or whatever being murdered this shaky hands thing they don't ever really address it mm. um but they're breadcrumbs sure. again to use harry's line we're dropping breadcrumbs that we can go back to later if we need to use them in a potential season three right uh although at this point i i think the show was already canceled maybe not yet maybe not yet when this was done because i know I'm pretty sure they found out this was going to be done after the second season, but they gave them the option to finish the second season. Mm-hmm. Like the show was canceled, but finish it, mm-hmm. finish it out, go to an ending. Yeah. Instead of like just canceled mid-season. God, could you imagine? No. Like this show already ends with enough of a cliffhanger. Could you imagine if it just ended like three episodes ago? No, I would. Hate I that. wonder. I wonder what kind of lasting power a show like this would have had if it just yeah. up and ended. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, Bobby and Shelly in the diner are discussing Shelly's speech for the Miss Twin Peaks contest. Um, when she says, we have to kick butt for the environment. <laughs> and then he's like, what about fight? She's like, good job. You're <laughs> such a genius. Yeah. It was. It's just I like, and the moment he has to like, like, I, I feel bad for Dana Ashbrook, who plays Bobby, to be like. I have to act like I'm thinking of like what about instead of kick butt? What about what about fight? Yeah, my like I just get, like like he does like the way he did like oh he's really not like, not just like ah kick butt sounds weird. What if you just said fight or something like that? Like that's how you would deliver that. Yeah. Like not like what about ooh fight? Have you heard of this, this word? Yeah, <laughs> I bring my thesaurus with yeah. me everywhere. It's, yeah. <laughs> but whatever it's but it's at the same time it is a better suggestion no, it is <laughs> it's significantly better to better. stand up and fight for our environment than to stand up and kick butt 
Like, Which me, I'm sure this is supposed to be us like making or them remind us like that they're young. Yeah, kick butt. Kick butt is sounds like the kind of thing that an old person thinks a young person would say. Yeah, but also on ABC television, right? <laughs> um, Bobby tells Shelly that he loves her and admits that he's been. Yeah, another really- another example of apologizing for previous behaviors. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, oh, I realized. But I realized my character went off on this stupid tangent yeah. for a while. I'm coming back to who I am. And yeah. And yeah. I wore a suit every day. Yeah. <laughs> like, Meanwhile, he's wearing a suit in that scene. Yep. But yeah. No big deal. <laughs> um, Shelly then gets a call from Agent Cooper. Um, made, oh, Mayor. Mayor Dwayne meets Lana at the roadhouse and tells him that he, Norma, and Dick are the judges. And... He's like, it's a lock. You're definitely going to win. And then she's like, I'll only marry you if I win. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? Who are these people? Why do I care about this weird redhead who wants to win a contest in the tiniest town full of the most gorgeous women? For what? Like, everybody really... I, I don't know why this is bothering me today, but it is. But, like, everybody acts like winning Miss Twin Peaks is like winning, like... A literal Miss America. Like, they very I much mean, act like you get a platform. And it's like, I mean, well, I you guess. Get, you do get money, and like co- like college money you get. But they like, which is like, like you, a means out of this small town. But that doesn't seem to be, to me, it's like, if you're Miss Twin Peaks, then you're basically like the mayor's right hand. Like, it makes it, yeah. they, they kind of act like this is a sort of like influential political figure. Or, I mean, I think it just comes of, down to the small town thing. Like, I think. Small town minds are just different than, you know. I don't know. I lived in a small town, and yeah, but you didn't grow up in a small town. Yeah, like that's when true. you've lived in a small town your entire life, like yeah, the biggest thing in your small town is the biggest thing you know of. Sure. Like you, there's just you're not your your vision isn't broadened beyond your small town. Sure. So. This is, you know, is the equivalent of Miss America or whatever. You know what I mean? I don't know. That doesn't... That said, the Miss Twin Peaks stuff is pretty fucking dumb. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, Cooper meets Shelley, Audrey, and Donna concerning the poem that was given to them by Earl and any strange encounters they might have had with had with a man. Um, also, great camera work in this episode again. They do a lot of, like, slow, like, Tarantino-style, like... Like around the like table. yeah, around the back of Cooper's head, and mm. then and then it gets to, you know, Audrey, and then Rack focuses to, mm-hmm. uh, but all like within you know slow camera yeah. movements and stuff. There's a lot of really good camera movement in this episode, actually. Mm-hmm. And they all noticed a strange person who they encountered the day they got the poem. Um, Cooper puts it together that that was probably Wyndham Earl. So, uh, and then Cooper tell. Cooper tells them to check in with the sheriff twice a day, 9 a.m. and 9 p.m., I believe, um, and give some guidelines Yeah, make for sure their your safety. parents always know where you are mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, uh, Earl tells Leo... So we're back in Earl's little cabin guy. Um, he tells Leo about the... What is it? Dugpas? Dugpa. Dugpa? Mm-hmm. Silent S? Um, tells about the Dugpa as, as Leo cleans off a table saw. Um... Leo notices the cards on the wall and how she- the playing cards and Shelly is one of the queens. Yeah, this is also when Windermerl swats all the chess pieces off the board. Oh, uh-huh. And to also show that 
guys, chess Ch- is over. The chess part's done. And so he wipes them all off. You see the camera moves along. The chess piece is missing. And then it goes up. And you see when Leo grabs, like, sees the, the remote for the shot collar. Mm-hmm. And, like, slips it in his... Th- like, ooh, I'm going to yeah. save this for later. Which I... I think it's not in this scene, but later when he like pulls it out and points at it, when oh yeah. please no no please no I'm begging and then just shocks himself like repeat it. I it's dumb, but I genuinely think it's funny. Like it's a good bit because I honestly like a Leo it shows that Leo isn't just like all better. Yeah, like he still does not have full brain functionality. Right. Also, he was really dumb to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, it's its a thing that I honestly think Leo would have been dumb enough to not understand the correlation of the two. Right. He's, the shocking is almost like he's being trained like an animal. Uh-huh. Like, he just sees this button and ha, that, yeah. but I'm going to do it you. to you yeah. and doesn't understand. And I, i it's kind of funny. It's kind of <laughs> quirky. I think it's a good bit. Um. Earl expresses doubt over whether Leo actually loves Shelley, so he um, grabs the shot collar remote. Yeah, Earl feigns fear until Leo shocks himself, and Earl laughs. Um, Okay, once again, we're back at the hotel, and Audrey again misses Jack as he's leaving. These two keep missing each other, Michael. Mm-hmm. she goes to her father's office and asks about Jack, but Ben tells her that he feels Stop Ghostwood needs a spokesperson, specifically her, and urges her to enter Miss Twin Peaks. And there's there's a moment in this scene that stood out to me for the very first time ever. And you hear this, like, ringing at the very, very end of the scene. You hear, like, this, like, Ben kind of chases her out or whatever, like, follows her out to the steps and then, like, Turn, like his back is to the camera and it kind of falls down towards the steps and then you hear this like sort of ringing noise hmm. and then whips his head around toward the camera to like what is that what is that sound and then you see Pete on the other side seemingly seeing Josie's face in this wall or painting or whatever but that sound mm-hmm. comes back in season three hmm. Pretty frequently. Oh, interesting. Of like him hearing this sound in the hotel, um, but it's it's they even like kind of cut it off almost. It's a really weird moment that I've never picked up on mm. until watching it now, post seeing season three a few times. Sure. Um, and I'm curious. Like it's it's an interesting thing that I think they picked up on on season three. That was dropped in this that I never really made the correlation between, mm-hmm. um, but I enjoyed it. It was it was a cool moment that I didn't think I thought it was just a thing added for season three. I didn't realize there was a direct correlation sure. to the actual original series. Um, Audrey finally gets Ben's attention about Jack, and he tells her he's gone, and she leaves. Pete Martell claims to see Josie's face above the fireplace. And Audrey asks him to take her to the airport. And, and the way they look back, too, like this, when he hears that sound and looks back, and the sound kind of overlaps the, the edit, so it's playing on both both shots, almost makes you wonder, and you've seen Josie's face in the doorknob mm-hmm. or the dresser pole or whatever, drawer pole, is Josie somehow inhabiting 
the Great Northern, the Great Northern. and can Pete and Ben potentially see her. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thought or, experiment. Or hear her. Yeah, or whatever. Or they can sense her, right. you know, being in there. Uh, Cooper, Truman, and Andy. I feel like you were about to say something, though, or no? Mm, might have. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Cooper, Truman, and Andy observe the petroglyph and wonder where Briggs has gone. Um, wait, why do they wonder where Bridge- Briggs has gone? He just said he was going on a walk in the woods. Did they say that? I don't remember. That's what this says. Uh, Truman has Andy call Betty. And Cooper muses about Annie, saying he thinks about her frequently throughout the day. And then his hand starts shaking. Bum, bum, bum. And now that I know that that means nothing, I'm pretty annoyed. But it was, again, that's how this show works. Is like, not only am I going to, like, as as my director, as my screenwriter or whatever, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my things. But I'm also going to set tee things up for future directors and stuff like that which is a good thing that this show does well so that you don't end up with like these standalone episodes um but there's a there's a really really good line reading that i like there where cooper's looking out the window and he's got this big shit eating grin on his face and he's talking about how he keeps thinking about annie and uh um, truman says a man in love is supposed to feel that way and then you just see like his face drops and he kind of puts his head down like Truman's face drops? yeah like of this realization of like oh yeah i felt that way yeah and like he like he has this moment of just like remembering Josie and feeling that loss again mm-hmm. and cooper doesn't pick up on it at all mm-hmm. which i think is another like disconnect of cooper's infatuation with annie is making him less observant aware mm-hmm. and like yeah so he's not picking up on the things that he should be picking up on mm-hmm. um and i don't know it's interesting like annie is very much a distraction and that's potentially dangerous for sure. Cooper. and i think it's such a subtle moment and honestly it might not even be like kyle mclaughlin might not even know that that's happening in that scene sure it might just be truman's line reading was a choice that he made mm-hmm. and they didn't correlate but the fact that Cooper's not even looking in his direction and all that stuff, I think it's a good, right. it's a kind of a good bit. Um, Briggs wanders through the woods until he, he encounters, and he's just like touching trees. Mm-hmm. And he encounters two men in a horse costume. Hello, Wilbur! singing something i recognize uh, that i don't remember yeah it's some old it's like a green sleeves type thing yeah like, it's it's like some old public domain type song yeah. like i'm working on the rail like something yeah. dumb like that like i don't remember what it was I but it was really something liked like the that scene because it to me was hit the nail square in the head of like the eerie creepy silliness of twin mm-hmm. peaks because it's like we we figure out what's going on, but it's still like I'm it's also a horse, which is another like sure. reoccurring thing in here. But just that choice to put them in like one of those old fashioned two man mm-hmm. horse costumes, and they're just sort of like 
Like, they're not just walking. They're just sort of, like, step-tapping mm-hmm. through the woods. And it's just eerie and, and odd. And, yeah, and Wintermerl needed to be have his face hidden so that Briggs so didn't Br- recognize. Right. But he he was specifically going there for Briggs. Mm-hmm. Because he heard via the, the tree that he was going for a walk in the woods. So and you was, know in the Pacific Northwest, there's just one, the woods. <laughs> right, right. And it's <laughs> the best way to navigate when you're looking for one person in uh-huh. the wood. Just straight line through. Just, it's the best way to do it is doubled up in a two-person horse costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't want peripheral vision. Right, right. As long as you can you. see through that tiny little mesh yeah. thing in the front, mm-hmm. you should be fine. That's the best way to navigate the wood. Um. So the, <laughs> the wood. So Because there's just one. They and also he like sticks out a dart gun and like and is crouching and shoots it and then it hits Briggs like well, it's like it's coming down and it hits him in like the clavicle. <laughs> yeah, it's it's because he shoots it. It's like a he shoots it like from the hip. It's uh-huh. like a little dart gun that he shoots like waist high. Yeah, but yeah, the dart is up high, which is fine if he's shooting upward. But like the angle of it is like straight up. Yeah, yeah, it looks odd. Um. Or if not out in Congress. Uh, Jack prepares to leave in his plane. End of paragraph. Cooper goes to the diner to talk with Annie. She notices that he's been troubled and admits that he he admits that he's been thinking about her um, more than the case at hand. This is this is where we learn um, that the Double R Diner special of the day is squirrel loaf. Ooh, that made me uncomfortable. <laughs> There's a sign in the back that says squirrel loaf on special or whatever, which, which like even there's not that much meat on squirrels. That's not a good loafing animal. Hey, you know? Right? Like, yeah. is that a real thing? Like, it's, I feel I like mean, if you're like a hunter and you're kind of living and you're doing your own thing and you're making your own food, but it's not like a thing you go to like a diner to have them prepare for you, is it? Not that I know. I mean, like you said, like obviously people hunt and eat squirrels, but not in a commercial setting, as right. far as I know. And I'm sure that's that FDA-qualified meat. <laughs> like, that has to yeah, be like, breaking some kind of Aren't they, laws. like, just, like... Just Rated meat, not qualified like, meat. Like, vessels for rabies? Um, no. I don't think they're especially prone to rabies, but I still wouldn't go to a diner to eat it. Okay, fair enough. I think it was also only like two ninety five or something. So it was real cheap. Yeah, it's <laughs> suspicious all around. Um, but also, anyway, during this scene though, there's a like the whole thing is one really long slow pull back on okay. the the shot, which is just like a great like moment, and it's like you're they're connecting with each other, but like we're pulling away from them. It just it it's unsettling again in a way that like Cooper's getting lost in this and he Mm -hmm. is you know it's to the detriment of all of his otherwise very sharp senses right um she Annie admits that she's been what seeing him in fried eggs all she said I don't this is dumb and I know I focus on the wrong things but she's like I've been seeing your face in eggs all this morning yeah just all morning is all you need to say all this morning is an awkward turn of phrase it honestly to me it sounds like a she flubbed a line yeah and she she started to say all this time oh yeah and then realized I'm supposed to say morning and so she says all, all this, this morning. morning it just feels like she kind of stumbles through it it mm. sounds like she flubbed a line yeah but also he says like it's hard I've got a very 
pressing, high profile, and dangerous case that I'm working, but I can't get you out of my mind. And she's like, I know the feeling. Yeah. I've been seeing your face in fried eggs all this morning. Like, <laughs> you you know the feeling of a man is hunting and a, murdering people yeah. in this small town. Yeah. And I know he's a raging psychopath. Uh-huh. But my face is in your eggs. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Relates. Dude, yeah. nailed yeah. it. Like, yeah. and they I both are just that like, one table <laughs> Coke instead of Diet Coke. Whoopsie Classic Annie. Yeah. Hey, yay. Um, but then, yeah, the, but again, and then, and then something else bad happens of like the whole bus tub of dishes yeah, falls and shatters. Yeah, so he, shatters. he asked to bring her on a date to go dancing. She says, I don't, I don't know how, which is, I understand. I'm not a good dancer or I can't dance. I don't know how to dance is not like, and they end up just like, it's not like they're waltzing. Yeah. They're slow dancing. You know how to put your hands on somebody's I, shoulders and like sway. A little, a little of that. Yes. <laughs> I agree with you. But also I, I don't, I think they're trying to show her convent naivety or whatever. Like, or even I haven't been dancing in five years. Like yeah, I'm it's not rusty. like she grew up in the convent. Right. She went there a few years ago. It like, just it's, it, yeah. I don't know. I and mean, maybe it's just my no. Yeah, it's it, it, she's it's, odd. It's not even that she's odd. She just is like an incongruous character. Yeah, like half the things she says are like, wait, I what? I know you know you're not a Heather Graham fan. I'm indifferent, but I. For a, a character who, in the last several episodes of this show, becomes insanely important, mm-hmm. they really didn't give her any depth. Mm-mm. And I don't know if that's the writing or the acting, because maybe she could have added more to it. Yeah. But, like, her depth is all just like... I was in a convent. I was in a convent. I tried suicide. I don't drink. Like, they're, yeah. like, they're just... They're, they're not depth. They're just a handful of traits. That's you know what I have been thinking a lot about that because somebody reminded this is a uh, sidebar but somebody reminded me of you know the movie The Wedding Planner. With I don't think I've ever Jen- actually seen it, but yeah. Since Jennifer Lopez and Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey plays a doctor, um, and I would argue the villain because <laughs> he leaves his fiance for the wedding planner and like it's not great. Anyway, and you know she's the fiance is blonde, so we don't like her. I guess I don't know. Oh, Unclear. Yeah, anyway. But he's hanging out with Jennifer Lopez, and he's eating M&Ms, mm-hmm. and he throws all of the M&Ms away except for the brown ones. And she's like, how come you're doing that? And he's like... When was this movie? Were there light brown ones at that point, or did they already blue yet? Unclear. Just curious. I, I remember that being a big deal in my lifetime is when they got rid of light brown and made blue. Yeah. Um, I want to say it was 90, or 2001 or two. like while I was in high school is when it came out. Okay. So it might have been around then, but he just said he only keeps the brown M&Ms because he figures there's less artificial dye in them, which I have many problems with that. First of all, they're not chocolate on the outside. They're a candy coat, and if you suck the color off, it's white under there. Two, you're a doctor. You should know that artificial colors aren't necessarily good or bad based on what color they are. Three, it is a thing that... I like this character instead of writing any kind of depth to this character I'm going to have him say one kind of quirky thing and that's a shortcut for you knowing this guy thinks a little left of center like he's a little out of the box and like that's kind of what everything Annie does makes me think of like yeah 
it's nothing that adds any interest or depth or 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 I don't know layers to her character. Yeah. It's just like, isn't this crazy? She did X. But also, like, and then that's the thing is that like maybe you can chalk that up to actor performance because ideally a really good actor should be able to take that garbage line about well, m&ms no. here no here's here are things here are things that happen make your own backstory make make up your own story mm-hmm. about how you got to a point where you've said this thing mm-hmm. and i'm sure matthew mcconaughey did not do that for the wedding planner and I'm sure Heather Graham did not do that for right. Twin Peaks. Right. Like, and and granted, she is a new actress. She's this is one of, if not her first role. Mm-hmm. Like, she, she's not that good yet. You know what I mean? It takes time. Sure. You practice and whatever. You get better. Um, but it's like ideally, you should be able to take. Like it's a it's a uh, the acting process has to do with like a cause and effect thing. Like this was the effect. What caused it? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's because I grew up in this house and my mother used to say this to me. So yeah. that made me always think this, and that's why I did this, which led me down a path that eventually made me not think about brown M and M's. And yes, I know it's weird, but I think that because this. And you don't have to say it all, but if you're a good actor, you can show that something else is there, sure, rather than just reading the word on the page right. and taking it all at face value, which right. is, you know, it's why it's, uh, you know, they're good. Obviously, screenwriting is important, mm-hmm. but acting is equally as important. Sure. You need to be able to bring those things to life. Right. Um, so anyway, he offers to take her dancing. They kiss uh, and knock over a stack of dishes. And then, so uh, Pete takes Audrey to the airport, and right before Jack prepares for takeoff, is he flying the plane or he's just in the plane? Yeah, he's flying it. Oh, okay. Um, usually, when people take private jets places, it comes with a pilot. I don't. He's, he does his own thing, man. Oh, sure, 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 sure. He's. I don't know if you notice this about Jack, but uh-huh. he's a little off center. He kind of does his own thing. Uh-huh. He's the type of guy who. Would throw away brown M and M's. No. What? No, or only throw away. only oh, eat the brown M and M's. That's where it, Jack just follows around the wedding planner guy all around because <laughs> he's does like, the opposite. I'll, I'll eat all the brown M M's. Spare M and M's, and it's so wasteful. And so you get a bag of M and M's, and you what get six M and M's? What the fuck are you doing with that? So dumb. Ugh. Um, Audrey stops the plane. Um, she tells him he loves. She loves him. Jack states he must leave, but does not know if he will return. And then she says, I think Mikey's favorite line. I love you. I love you too. Do you have to leave? Yes. When will you be back? I don't know. I'm a virgin. No. It's your jet. Thank God for that. Which is? Well, here's the thing. It's... I just really like the line because of how naturally Mm -hmm. she flows into that line. Mm -hmm. He says... 
I have to leave. I don't know if I'll make it back. And she says, but I'm a virgin. <laughs> like accidentally blurts out of her mouth. Like I didn't mean to do it. Like it's like terrifying. If I were him. You broke our listeners ears. Yeah. She broke mine. I. It was like they like had to condense this into a shorter scene. Mm-hmm. And so they just like we need these are the, the the lines that we need to get out. We don't have enough time for all these other filler or mm-hmm. like real conversation piece lines. Like it just is so she's like, I'm a virgin and I wanna make love with you. And so he's like, All right. Okay. You well, wanna fuck on my good plane? Good thing I own this plane. Hey oh. And so they go fuck on the plane, I guess. While Pete which... sits outside in his truck and just fucking waits. Mm-hmm. Bless his heart. Ugh. Um, it's just... And also, Pete's hands start shaking. Yeah. All right. So we are back in Earl, Wyndham Earl's little cabin. He he has Briggs tied up to the wall in an odd way. Mm-hmm. So he's on one foot. One leg mm-hmm. is tied up. Uh, it almost feels like they wanted him... To be sprawled in like an axe. Uh huh. And then so they could but, spin the thing. But he couldn't do that. Like Don Davis, the actor, mm. couldn't, they, or they couldn't find a way to comfortably get in. He's like, I can't. Yeah. I can't be up there that I need to at least have a leg on the ground. And uh-huh. so they're like, okay, we'll put one leg up and may still have the same yeah. idea. It looks odd, but it, whatever. It is, but yeah. Um, the major states that he's not at liberty to give him any of the answers that he asks. Um, Wyndham injects him with some sort of truth serum, causing Briggs to admit that he saw the petroglyph in a dream during his disappearance. He describes signs that say, quote, if there is a time if Jup... If there... Okay, wait. No, I'll get it this time. He describes signs that say there is a time if Jupiter and Saturn meet, they will receive you. And then he utters some indistinguishable words, which very much sound like... Oh, apparently. Okay, so it sounds like that that gum you're looking for is back in style, but backwards is what this oh, right is. On. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Your name, please? Garland. Briggs. Garland. What do you fear most in the world? The possibility that love is not enough. Oh, Garland, please, I shall weep. How much does your wife weigh? Good for her. Now, when did you first see the petroglyph in our cave? In... in dreams. What kind of dreams? I was night fishing with Agent Cooper. There was a light, guardian beyond it. I was taken to... But my mind... The signs. What do the signs mean? There's a time. If Jupiter and Saturn meet, they will receive you. Leo, put the major to bed. Um, I feel like I remember hearing something about that being a thing that people have looked at, and I don't remember. So? They also get one of 
a line that seems really stupid but like as i you know get older and i've watched it and stuff more times i genuinely enjoy the part where where he basically he's he's injected with the true serum and stuff and so he's telling the truth and then he says what is your greatest fear and um briggs replies the possibility that love is not enough and it's like, ugh. and that's yeah. the way Winter Merle reacts. Of like, oh brother, yeah. like, what a dumb over the top. But also like, so fucking sweet mm-hmm. and honest, and comes into play a little bit more so later mm-hmm. when we talk about how you get in and out of the Black and the White Lodge and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. I love it. I think that's just a beautiful line of like, your greatest fear is simply the idea that. The possibility that love is not enough. Mm-hmm. I it's it's sweet and it's very, you know, Garland Briggs and yeah. I he's a great character mm-hmm. and I I love it. Um, Catherine shows the puzzle box to Andrew, um, who solves one of the layers in a way that Mikey does not find satisfying. It's I I hate this fucking puzzle box. Um, he basically just does like your birthday, my birthday, the day we got the box and for some reason that exa- is the exact right but, order <laughs> but it's not a calendar well i mean like there's, there's zodiac signs and moon but there's no like this is my br-. no but he's he's saying like okay so my birthday would be libra and your birthday would be yeah but Leo. he does for each birthday he does like a three or four button combo oh does he yeah which oh. doesn't make sense. like he's pressing them as though it's like oh i thought he was i'm putting doing, in like, dates Oh, I thought he was just doing, like, pressing the sign under which right. you were born. The no, sign he's doing, which... like, this combination of this button, this button, oh, this okay. button. Nope, that didn't do it. This button, this button, that button. Nope, yeah. that didn't do it. Like, he's pressing the buttons as though he's putting in, like, zero, eight, two, four. Like, oh, nope, that wasn't it. Now like, everybody knows your birthday. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, send me gifts if you'd like. Next year. Next year. In, uh, did I say 8-24? I meant 12-24. So it's coming up real soon, guys. Yeah. I, uh, whatever. This is a dumb joke. Um, <laughs> almost as dumb as that puzzle box. But anyway. and like Then he smashes another layer yeah. with a rolling pin and so receives keep, a metallic box. They keep box. building up this mystery puzzle box that like is impossible to get into. And then they get through the first box by dropping it on the floor accidentally. <laughs> and then they get through the second box by arbitrary button pressing that is supposed to be significant of a date but isn't really Mm -hmm. and then immediately smashes the third box with a rolling pin and then it's like this metal box that now there's another box yeah like it's just yeah yeah, it's just absurd Uh, Cooper meets Annie at the roadhouse and offers to teach her how to dance um, she says to him that she wants more than his kisses. There's a there's a great shot in here I pointed out that I love that there's there there's is one couple that's dancing in like a six inch gap between a load bearing pole uh-huh. and the edge of the stage. Yeah. That they're just like there's plenty of room everywhere and they're just like sandwiched uh-huh. right into this tiny little spot. It's yeah. really dumb. But it entertained me. Um, she tells him that she wants more than his kisses, but they're interrupted by Mayor Milford addressing the crowd, but struggling with the microphone. Listen, I know it's basic, but I love a bit with somebody struggling with a microphone. Well, and it's stand. a callback too. Like that's yeah. that's from the pilot when he, they're addressing. Mm-hmm. And is this thing on? 
and he's the, like he doesn't get it. It's he's you know it's and there's he's one, never gotten the microphone. And there's one part that like he obviously had just like loosened it a little bit, and so it's slowly shrinking, and he's like trying to stay with it. That's classic comedy. <laughs> yeah. Um. She she t t t. Annie expressed her attraction to Dale, and they share a kiss. Uh, being once again interrupted by Milford. She decides to enter Miss Twin Peaks, but then the giant appears. So this is a fucking weird. So that we commented on this while we're watching it too. Like she's delivering this monologue to Cooper about how much she loves him or whatever, like wants to be with him and wants him and, and you're treating me, you're, you're coddling me, but like, yeah, you're coddling me and you're trying to protect me. And I understand all this. But she keeps referring to him, to you. You're doing this. You're doing this. You treat me like this. And the entire time, she's looking at Milford on the stage. There's the dishwasher. This entire time, she's looking at Milford on the stage. With Like, just shoulders squared up and turned away from Cooper to... Like a full and 90 still, degree Yeah, turn. and still saying, you this, you this, you this. And, and she says, like, when I look into your eyes, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like, ma'am, that's not his eyes. So the thought here for me is, is she already seeing... The giant? The giant. Can she see him? Or can, does she know something is about to happen there? Like, does she, is, is that, like, foreshadowing that something is going to happen there or is this just a weird choice because they wanted her to be facing the camera more i would think the latter so I, more it's, or is she in love with Dwayne milford and not cooper and she's oh, expressing nice. her love for Dwayne milford yeah it's it's just a bizarre yeah it's strange staging for everything yeah it's it's a weird choice i don't get it because eventually she does like look back at him yeah yeah it's not it's not great and like for me personally because i don't like the character of Annie very much. Mm-hmm. That's not helping me get a, get more on board to the relationship right. to have right. them like not make eye contact. Um. So she decides to enter the Twin Peaks concert. God, God damn it! So she decides to enter the Miss Twin Peaks contest. Um, then the giant appears to Cooper, similarly as he yeah, has in the past. Both that with everything. the spotlight. Yeah. And he the, is waving his arms and mouthing no, which I wish that was more subtle. I don't, because I feel like the giant has always present been presented as like very still, very stoic, very like, oh, you know, I'm just going to say these things to you. So to see him like, kind of like waving his arms around a lot made me, it, it just, it felt very incongruous with how we have seen him in the past. And I think just like slowly shaking his head or mouthing no would have been a lot eerier. Yeah. That's interesting. And I wonder I wonder if that was just I wonder if there was intention there to make it bigger because A Cooper is less observant mm, lately and he's point. not picking up on clues the way he's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, like is is it because of that or is it, you know, just the director made the choice sure. this is what yeah, he wants him to do or but yeah that's it, it's interesting i didn't really consider that but also like is he just trying to stress that like oh one thing was like here's the clues to help you solve this one particular crime mm-hmm. 
what I'm telling you know about right now is this is a big deal. Right. This yeah. isn't just like, oh, here's a clue to help you on your journey. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, yeah. Stay away from – but also like doesn't tell him what. Mm-hmm. It's just what's no. And, yeah. And is it, you know, is it Annie? Is it – Annie entering the Twin Peaks? Right. Is it, it just – yeah. Being with Annie, is it even related to Annie? Is mm-hmm. he trying to tell him something else? Sure. Is happening somewhere that shouldn't be like yeah. yeah. Um. All right. So back to the tarmac. Um. Jack flies away, waking up Pete in his truck. And kind of the way this is revealed, we think that maybe Audrey went with Jack because all of a sudden he just wakes up and the plane is taking yeah. off, and then somehow Audrey had like done a full circle so to he come could, up behind <laughs> Pete, so she yeah, could sneak up behind Pete, yeah. Which um, is, it, I mean, that's obviously the way he had to do, but like. Pete seems genuinely sad or whatever that mm-hmm. like he le- she left which yeah well because just because Pete has a good heart is it, like is it is he sad that he left or is he sad that like you made me sit in my fucking car and wait <laughs> for you and then you just left with him like I could have gone home a long time ago like what's going on there but then like yeah um Audrey goes to Pete who re- reassures her that Jack would return there's also a thing that is very understandable for an 18 year old girl to do but it still makes me roll my eyes nonetheless of like I finally meet the man of my dreams like ma'am you're you're 18 years old <laughs> yeah. what do you mean finally also only met- Cooper was the man of your dreams three yeah. weeks ago like <laughs> you've only met the guys in your high school who like yeah scratched their butts during class like yeah, yeah. anybody who's not a high school boy is yeah. great and they don't all wear dope wigs like Billy Zane <laughs> that's, but we can't that, all yeah that's all very much the soap opera aspect sure. of the show but yeah um, and she she mentions that because he's uh, Pete says, "Oh, I'm sure he'll come back." Yeah, he said he'll come back, but he also said he'd take oh. me fishing. And but, Pete offers to bring her. But fishing. the way Pete kind of lights up, like, "Ooh, fishing!" You I, say, "I can do that." I can. Oh, no one's ever asked. Like, and it's it's a sweet moment of not only like I feel like Pete just fishes by himself all the time, mm-hmm. which is fine. But like, I would love to have company fishing. Yeah. And no one will do that with me. And he says that he knows a lot of cures for heartbreak, but a trout sleep in the mute moonlight is a cure, or something. Right. Or there's nothing like. Yeah. Well, I'll drop it in. Um, but it's it's very sweet. Pete is once again the A plus guy of, of Twin Peaks. I love Pete. Finally meet the man of my dreams. Next thing I know, he's on a plane to Brazil. He'll be back one day. He promised. Yeah. Well, he also promised to take me fishing, and we never did. Love stinks. Fishing? Yeah. Pearl Lake or something. I have some tackle in the truck. I do. Audrey, there are many cures for a broken heart. Nothing quite like a trout sleep in the moonlight. May I? <laughs> you may. Okay, uh, Leo and Briggs are disturbed by computer. So I feel like I saw like three different computers in this episode, yeah. and I have seen no computers throughout. Is that. There's the little like. Palm pilot thing Cooper has. 
Uh, there's the little word processor that the FBI comes in with at one point, mm-hmm. and that's about it. Well, there's whatever this computer and, is in, that's, in and, and all the Winnemurl stuff, um, which I think is just to show that like Winnemurl is technologically advanced. Sure, I, he's. I wonder if it's also a, you know, a lot of times in in literature and stuff we necessarily link modern technology with the evils of modern mm-hmm. life and so this sort of creeping uh, you know uh, creeping appearance of technology all around when we had never seen anything else and that plays a much bigger factor in season three sure electricity is yeah a whole thing yeah and very important and, and technology and electricity and all of Mm-hmm. Those things are conduits for all sorts of evil sure. and things like that. So that's a very accurate, I think, right. reaction. Um, so Leo and Briggs are just Leo and wait, where are they? Leo and Briggs. Oh, Major Briggs. I was thinking Bobby Briggs, and I was like, why the <laughs> fuck are Leo and Bobby Briggs together? Okay. <laughs> what are Leo and Betty Briggs doing together? <laughs> Leo and Bobby Briggs are disturbed by computer noises as an unfazed Earl discovers that the petroglyph is actually a map to the Black Lodge. Deep in the woods, a light appears and Bob does a creepy hand thing. Um, and he steps out in the open as a reflection on the ground in front of him reveals red drapes. So it's like a puddle and we see yeah, red drapes reflected. It's hard to see in that, but it's like oil. It's like Oh, is it? The, it's like black engine oil. Gotcha. Um, that's the end of this episode. I do want to say I'm just skimming through TwinPeaksFandom.com. Apparently that scene where Bobby admits to Shelly that he's not been fair to her and that they go over the like the whole thing we said about mm-hmm. the kick butt, apparently that is a deleted scene. So that might not have been in the Netflix version if people are watching it on Netflix. Oh, interesting. So yeah, basically what happens is she's just reading her speech. Is, is the... In- <laughs> the entire scene a deleted scene or is it just like oh that scene was much longer and they cut a big chunk out it looks like the whole scene is gone huh. so anyway huh. so that's that so if you were confused earlier that's why um I, that's interesting i wonder how many other uh there are, episodes have i mean it's tagged on at the deleted, end i might go back and check but deleted scenes that like sure. we watched because they're they put in they were put back into right um i was gonna say this episode felt a little longer yeah it did like, not long, but like it felt like it was running a little long, mm-hmm. and I, you know, sometimes they just do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wonder if this was a you know five or six minutes longer because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. So we have one more episode, and then the finale. We have a special guest for our finale, which I'm excited about. Do it. Is that mm-hmm. come around? Cool. And um, it's David Lynch, everybody. Oh, I sorry, thank I couldn't you, keep David. We appreciate you yeah. joining us. Uh, yeah. I was going to do my really good David Lynch impression. Go for it. I'm, oh, okay. I'm waiting. Uh-huh. Blu-ray is never the me- the medium that I expected this show to be on. I think too many details can distract you from the plot. We, so we can cut this out though, right? No, I do such a good <laughs> Oh, that was an impression? I, I th- Oh, I thought we just didn't want to like show off that we had David Lynch here already and that he's staying with us for the next couple weeks. No, you didn't hear. He would, he just came over and shoved me huh? off the microphone and yelled <laughs> yeah. about Blu-ray for it's some reason. It's weird that he did that. It's, it's so, so strange. You know what, David? That's really rude, actually. <laughs> this is a pandemic. You shouldn't oh, even boy. be here, sir. Okay. <laughs> we'll catch you. And I you. do his weather reports. 
we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.